As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 170 of the Bags and Brisby Podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, oh God, first off, I'm going to barf. Second, who do you think is tied for 170th all time in Giants home runs? <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, let's see. Is it Darren Ruff? I don't know. Is it Buster Posey? Is it Wilbur? I'm just going to go and read every name on the t- 2021 roster because it's probably one of those guys. It's late night Lamont Way Jr., Ooh, 170th all time in home runs. He's tied with uh, Michael Tucker, Sean Dunstan, Charlie Hayes, Royce Clayton, Ernie Riles, Reggie Smith, Jack Hyatt, Leon Wagner, and Jesus Alou, uh, among others. And I think that's a good omen, personally. I think uh, a late night Lamont walk off. Uh, I think people would remember that tonight. Yeah, I've given up on my uh, pedantry of, of saying that it really should be late game Lamont because he's hit a couple big hits in the late innings of day games, including the one in Oakland. So, yeah, But late night Lamont just sounds so good. So I, I've given up. I, I've given in. And uh, late night Lamont it is. And hey, whether it's late night Lamont or late night Wilmer, it doesn't have the same ring maybe, but the Giants would take it from anybody at this point. Yeah, no. I, but first off... Uh, not liking late night Lamont is disrespectful to the people in Moscow and Finland because it's night there when he does some of that late day stuff. So it's always late night somewhere. But yes, it is. Look, the Giants don't care if they get a home run from late night Lamont or if they get a pinch hit home run from Alex Wood. Uh, they just, I, I'm going to say it, they kind of just want to win this game. They want to win game five of the NLDS by any means necessary. They will take a blown call from Angel Hernandez. They'll take anything. <laughs> right. You know what? It's There's some s- sort of specific feeling going into a game like this where you just know no matter what happens, no matter who wins, no matter who loses, no matter who has uh, is the hero or the goat, you know, this is going to be a game that's going to be kind of imprinted on the consciousness of fans of both teams 
for a long, long time. You know, it's it, maybe it's going to be more forgettable for one side than the other, but it won't be easily forgettable. And just knowing that going in, I mean, that just that's that's what makes the buildup and the anticipation so much fun. You're going to be able to reference this game, the shorthand of it, for decades. For decades, you will have a kid who was born in 2032 who like will know. Oh yeah. That was game five. Yeah, I understand that reference. It's not, it's going to transcend generations. It's going to be just one of those things. Like, I wasn't around when Willie Mays hit four home runs. I know about it. And Giants fans in the future are going to know about this game regardless of what happens. And they'll know some of the names, the particulars, what goes on. Uh, gosh, I, I don't know. I'm freaking out. Yeah, I mean, you could even go back to like 1962 when the Dodgers and Giants played their three-game series to determine who would win the pennant. And that series was determined in the most, like, non-dramatic way ever. Well, kind of dramatic because the Giants had to score a bunch of runs in the ninth to win. But it was a walk-off walk, you know. I mean, that it was not Travis Ishikawa. It was Jim Davenport drawing a walk. But, I mean, it, it changed the lives of, of a lot of people, including the, the Dodgers pitcher who walked him. Uh, you know, kind of, he, he felt like he was ostracized from the team for the rest of his life. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's one of those games that is going to change people's lives. Yeah, uh, it changed uh, Charles Schultz's life. I mean, you know, it changed, uh, it changed my life after I was born because I'm reading those Peanut comics. And it's like, I got to figure out what he's talking about with McCovey and three feet higher. Um, so, yeah, it is uh, it's setting up in the best possible way in that you have uh, Julio Urias, who is like a final boss on the Dodgers pitching staff. You have Logan Webb going for the Giants. He's a little bit of a final boss to the Dodgers. Uh, it's setting up very, very well for both sides. I do like that Kevin Gossman is available on full rest for whatever. Whatever the Giants need, maybe Gossman can help. Well, and the flip side is, even though Dave Roberts kind of downplayed it, you know Max Scherzer is just an absolute bug-eyed beast of a human being, <laughs> and he's going to make himself available as well. Um, and he's done this before. So um, it's 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 going to be, both teams are going to be fully loaded, basically. They're going to throw everything at this game. And, uh, you know, the Braves are probably hoping that they play, you know, 25 innings and tucker themselves out uh, as they await, uh, uh, you know, which California city they fly to to start uh, the NLCS. Um, but, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be, wait, actually, do I have that right? Would the Braves open at home because the Dodgers are the wild card? I'm not sure how that works, actually, to be honest. They would open at home because the Dodgers are the wild card. That is correct. All right. Thank you. I corrected myself in time. Um, but, yeah, it's... Yeah. it's uh, it, it, I think they got to get off to a clean start against Logan Webb. And I thought your article was just tremendous, especially it's probably the best piece of baseball analysis ever typed out by someone with a broken elbow. Um, <laughs> and with all of the, the pitches that you grabbed to show that, you know, this is not an impenetrable uh, Dodgers staff. I mean, they're, they're tremendously talented. There's a reason they are where they are, but it's not like there have been no pitches uh, for the Giants to hit. It's not like there is a, a reason or some sort of cosmic force or just a perfectly scouted, uh, executed plan uh, why you know so many of their hitters are hitless in this series. I mean, there are pitches out there for them to hit, and their track record is that they will hit those pitches eventually. So um, you know, it, it's it's kind of the the least um, analytical thing in the world to say they're due, but. They kind of are, I guess. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that you picked up on that because I was writing it and as I was writing, I was like, oh gosh, is this, you know, am I making like, is anyone going to understand what I'm trying to say here? Uh, so I'm glad that you, you, you know, accurately described what I was trying to say. It's, I went into that trying to see, look, are the Dodgers just executing brilliantly? Because I kind of thought that must be the answer, that the Dodgers are just hitting their spots over and over again. And it's, it's just not going to work out if they keep doing that. 
And I found that, you know, Darren Ruff is getting pitched really tough, you know, to the, he's up in the zone with the fastballs. The sliders are right where they need to be. They are pitching rough tough. Uh, but like, they're not pitching Flores especially tough. And he's having decent at-bats. And they're not pitching Donovan Solano tough. And he's having decent at-bats. So you can believe that the Giants just forgot how to hit, or in the case of Evan Lagoria, that, you know, that he's, there's something physically wrong with him. Or you can say they should probably hit some of these pitches more so than they have been hitting. So nine of the 13 position players on the roster, and I'm talking Yastrzemski, Flores, Ruff, Solano, Dickerson, Duggar, Longoria, Wade, and Casale, are two for 62. That's not sustainable. I don't care if you scrape up triple A players against the Dodgers, double A players against the Dodgers, maybe even single A players against the Dodgers. You're not going to get two for 62 all the time. Yeah, totally. And you know what? It does remind me a little bit. I went through and wrote a little capsule on each of the 10 elimination games that Buster Posey has caught in the postseason. And he has done quite well in them. The Giants are 9-1 and one in those games. Obviously, the exception being the 2016 NLDS loss to the Cubs. But, you know, it really reminds me a little bit of the series in Cincinnati. And that one, they had to obviously win three in a row on the road to escape. But they were just not hitting at all. I mean, at all in that series. I think they were batting like 126 in the first three games. And then Scudero started breaking out. Pablo started breaking out. And Pagan had the leadoff homer. And then Buster obviously had the uh, the grand slam off Matt Latos in 2012 in the clincher. So yeah, it took them a while, but they found a way to break out. And that red stuff was pretty good too. Now, I don't think anybody compares to what the Dodgers have. But, uh, you know, sometimes it just takes a little while to, to for that talent to show up. And and I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're counting on the fact that that talent's going to show up uh, in their home ballpark, you know, when they're going to have all the support in the world, when we've seen there haven't been very many Dodger fans in the crowd. They've been very, very Giants crowds. Um, and, you know, they're going to hope that that momentum can, can carry them to uh, the win they need to, to advance to the NLCS in, in, in a meeting of, I think this is the most wins combined between two teams in a playoff game ever. And that, I mean, that's just... That's pretty astounding. So, and it's kind of cool that every other DS resolved itself in four games, uh, and, and leaving this one as as really the only thing on the stage. So it's almost kind of like a World Series game because all the attention in the baseball world is going to be on this game as it should be. And uh, and so that's pretty cool too to know that you know this is not just going to be a West Coast game for a West Coast audience. It's going to be all eyes on on the Dodgers and Giants tonight. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clear the runway for this game because it's like if I if this were like a game between the Red Sox and Yankees, like I would 
in similar situations with 107 versus 106 wins, I would clear my schedule for it. So I'm just glad that baseball gets to see this and baseball fans everywhere get to see it. Uh, I don't necessarily need the stress and I would have preferred like an 11-1 Giants victory uh, in game four, but all of us would have. Um, Arias, he has been hit by the Giants this year. I know it feels like uh, he has just been like a, a Nuo, or Neo uh, Clayton Kershaw to the Giants, but he has gotten hit around this year. Uh, and I, I started my article last night by you know trying to figure out what was different about it. But when I pulled up the heat maps uh, on May 23rd, he pitched six solid innings, uh, two earned runs, ten strikeouts, no walks. And on May 29th, he pitched five innings, six earned runs. Uh, he was just off. In the heat maps for both starts, it's like one. The, the Everything is up exactly where he wants it to be. On um, the game he got knocked around, it's right in the middle. And so, like, it was not good analysis to be like, if Urias throws the ball right down the middle, the Giants have a chance. But it's just a reminder that, look, he's not perfect, and maybe he can put it down the middle. And the time that the Giants got to him, it was when they had seen him in the same week. So maybe there's something there about the familiarity. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, he's a guy who has just a great breaking ball and uh, and can spot his fastball. And he made the final out of the World Series last year. I mean, he's clearly a guy that is used to the big moment. Uh, I, I, I think it's all going to be up to which lineup can punch through against a pitcher uh, that stymied them. And, and in a way, I, I, I think objectively, uh, I would favor the Dodgers there because Logan Webb kind of already pulled his rabbit out of the hat. He, he threw 40 changeups in game one when the Dodgers were totally not expecting that. Now, it's great that he has three pretty elite pitches he can go to. I mean, it's not like he, you know, he can't, uh, he has to lean back on a, a sub uh, elite offering uh, by going a different way. But, um, you know, he's kind of already shown his element of surprise there. And uh, and I, I'm the Dodgers are so good at adjusting um, that I think that we can probably expect that they'll make a, an adjustment to him and, and we'll see which way he adjusts back. With Arias, it's, um, you know, he's a guy who uh, hasn't had to really make an adjustment yet against uh, the Giants, even though, as you said, they did get to him a little bit in that one start. So, you know, when I look at which lineup is capable of maybe making an adjustment, I think I probably would say the Dodgers. But if Logan Webb executes uh, and, and hits his spots, then, you know, it, it may not matter. Uh, and, and if he does get into trouble early, then we're going to see them go to the, uh, their bullpen. We're going to see them go to their pinch hitters early. It's just the way they've deployed their resources all year. And I wouldn't expect that that would change. Uh, so the best thing they can do is, is just get a lead. Just get a lead early, any lead, uh, and then try to, to hang on to it as best they can. It's it's. Uh, I, I would say whichever team scores first, I, I would fully expect is going to win this game. Ugh, that is pressure. Um, you know, I look at the Giants lineup that they can send out against Arias, and uh, when he dominated them in Game 2, I, I wrote, like, look, the Giants are set up actually to face lefties well, uh, where they can put so many right-handers in the lineup they, where you basically only have Brandon Crawford as your only left-handed bat. And I, every time I look at the lineup and the one that they can put out there that Chris Bryant can give them and and you have just a, you can have an all-right-handed outfield, it makes me feel a little bit confident. And then I look at Urias' platoon splits and uh, 605 OPS to right-handers, 640. OPS to left-handers, he's just, there's no plan against him. You just have to hope he screws up or you have to hope the Giants can beat some of the good pitches. Yeah, you know, it, it, it only sets up well for the Giants, I think, in this regard is you have your left-handed bats on the bench, your Dickerson's, your Listellas, you know, your, uh, um, 
uh, your Wades, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and so you know that the Dodgers only really have Alex Vesia, and I guess they have David Price too, um, but, but really just one sort of you know, lefty, um, a guy who's tough on lefties in their bullpen. And so it probably works out better for them as they're deploying their pinch hitters for their pinch hitters to be from the left side uh, against mostly right-handed uh, um, Dodgers relievers. So in that sense, it, it does sort of set up better for them. Uh, you know, of course, they don't want to be trying to, you know, get back uh, with, with, with heroics off their bench, even though they've won a lot of games that way. Um, but at least I think having the lefties on their bench does set themselves up better to have matchups in the late innings, I would imagine. If you are a Giants fan, are you rooting for uh, the Giants to break through against Phil Bickford in the sixth inning because it's funny? Or in the ninth inning against Kenley Jansen because it's more exciting. <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I I think that I don't think we're going to need to root for. Oh, this outcome will be more exciting than this one. Every outcome is going to be true. exciting. Um, oh my gosh. But hey, Wil, Wilmer Flores has a big hit off Kenley Jansen this year. Um, you know, that could be a matchup to watch uh, in the late innings. Uh, and and you know what? I I know the Giants were bummed that they didn't. Uh, get uh, force Jansen to be used in in uh, in Game Four uh, after Will Smith hit the two run homer. Jansen sat back down, and then they used Bickford in the ninth. And they they wanted to get a couple free looks at, at Kenley and, and and have him you know break a sweat on the mound a little bit, even even with the day off before Game Five. And they they were bummed that that didn't happen. Um, and, and he's just been so good. I mean, ever since uh, he had that wobble against the Giants earlier in the year, he's just been a different pitcher. And um, and it's you know good for him too because the Dodger Stadium crowd booed him uh, when he blew that game against the Giants earlier this season and it it kind of ticked everybody off um, in their clubhouse that their fans did that and uh, so I guess you know karmically um, you know I, I I suppose Kenley you know, saving the game would be uh, something that. Uh, um, Maybe those fans don't deserve after booing him. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, if, if you're really mad about that clubhouse, I'll tell you what you can do to those fans. You can lose. That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's how you get best. them, Dodgers. That's how you get back at them. <laughs> Just lose. Lose in spectacular smoking fashion. <laughs> What's wild about Jansen is that he's not just better. It's not like he reclaimed uh, his old Jansen self. Like, he's different. He's not just this uh, guy reliant on a magic cutter like he was. You know, he was almost like a, a modern-day analog to, to Mariano Rivera where you knew what was coming, but you still couldn't mess with it because the movement was so unpredictable. Uh, well, he's got, like, this curveball, and, like, he's setting up different, and it's it's all funky. So even if you're, like, Buster Posey or Brandon Crawford, this isn't the guy who's been uh, uh, going up against you for the last few years it's it's that guy plus he's got a new trick that seems unfair yeah yeah i mean you know <laughs> credit to them they they turned their old uh, uh visiting clubhouse into their analytics studio and and they probably worked with him a ton on his pitch shapes and they have a lot of technology and they, they've yeah here's here's a funny one um while i was going through all of the elimination games um do you remember who gave up uh or who threw the pitch that hunter pence uh it broke his bat and he had the triple hit to clear the bases in um, uh, that w- the, the pennant clincher in 2012 against the Cardinals. Ah, that's going to be uh, someone with a Giants. Uh, gosh, does Dominic Leone go back that far? No, but Joe Kelly does. Ah, there we go. Joe Kelly was a rookie for the Cardinals in 2012 uh, when he threw the pitch that broke Hunter Pence's bat, and it hit the bat three times uh, as the barrel was decelerating, and Pete Cosma went one way, the ball went the other, and it was a little squeaky ground ball 
that turned into a three-run double, which was just the height of ridiculousness in that game, which ended in the rain, which ended in the Giants winning the pennant. And so Joe Kelly, yeah, he he, he comes back around, and he's going to be uh, in the Dodger bullpen today. You've got um, you know the last game that uh, the Giants played, uh, postseason, uh, the postseason game that they lost uh, against the Cubs. The guy who started the rally was Chris Bryant in the ninth, and Chris Bryant is now um, a Giant and not a Cub. So, you know, some of these guys have, have kind of come back around in these elimination games on, on the other side. And it's just kind of funny to see to see how the uh, the cast of characters changes. So uh, let me get this straight. Your stat is that Buster Posey is 9-1 and one, uh, in Giants elimination games? Yes, 9-1. and one. If you would like the full litany, you've got the three games at Cincinnati in 2012. You've got the three games... Uh, led by Rally Zito at uh, at St. Louis, and then at home, game six and seven against St. Louis in 2012. Uh, then, of course, you've got 2014, the wild card game at Pittsburgh. You've got game seven of the World Series in 2014 at Kansas City. Madison Bumgarner had just a wee bit to do with them winning those games, and then you've got the another Bumgarner shutout in the 2016 wild card game at the New York Metropolitans, and then finally. The only loss uh, was to the Cubs in NLDS Game 4 in 2016. Well, it it's already been published, so I hate to tell you uh, that, that you could have uh, done this. But I think a better way to frame it is that uh, with Chris Bryant and Buster Posey in a Giants elimination game, <laughs> uh, they have 10 combined wins. I think, how about that? That's good. I should have done that. I, sh- I should have done the math <laughs> on that. <laughs> Um, but no, the funny no, thing is that yeah, Buster's only six for thirty-eight. I mean, he's he's like a, a buck sixty hitter in those games, and the only extra base hit is the one that you know off the top of your head. And uh, but yet he's made an impact just by all of the receiving, all the catching, um, you know, uh, stealing, uh, getting base runners, attempting to steal, uh, just the leadership and, and the poise. And I think that uh, they're going to be relying heavily on that again tonight. I heard a stat, and I don't know the exact numbers, uh, so I f- forgive me for making this less exciting than it could be, but the Giants, since 2010, their overall record in the postseason is something goofy. It's like 37 and 13, or, I mean, obviously, if you're going to win three championships, it's going to be goofy like that, but when you hear the the wins tallied up against the losses, it's like the 1984 Tigers or, or the 2021 Giants. It is, you know, just like so mind-blowing, and you forget about all these elimination games, and, uh, you know, Giants fans aren't strangers to this kind of stress. They've woken up uh, quite a few mornings thinking about, okay, it's win this game, or the whole season is over. Uh, it's been, you know, pretty successful for the Giants. I don't think Giants fans can complain too much. Yeah, no, Giants fans cannot complain <laughs> too much. However, they just might. Some of them will, uh, believe it or not. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, you know what, though, as we're setting up game five, uh, our last podcast record uh, was on the eve of game three. And mm. I think our sign off was, you know, when we talk to you again, Either it's going to be one game for all of the rally enchiladas, or it's going to be the giant season is over, or it's the Giants have slayed the, the dragon and they are on to the NLCS. And of course, we got the outcome that I think we all probably could have guessed, uh, which is this. Of course, this series was going to go to to the maximum to Game Five. They've just it's been a, just a battle of attrition between these two teams all season. So we've talked about you know Game Four obviously didn't go their way in LA. Uh, they chased Anthony D. Uh, the, the bullpen. Gabe Kapler made a billion pitching changes to try to hang on to that uh, game and, and keep the Giants within striking distance. And I think he did just a, an incredible job uh, of, of doing that uh, as his relievers struggled to throw strikes. But ultimately, there was just they didn't have enough enough 
firepower to come back uh, in in that game. But game three, I think, is going to be also remembered as a pretty iconic one uh, with the the one nothing win, uh, with um, uh, Brandon Crawford making the leaping catch, uh, and with the final out uh, basically being blown back by a candlestickian wind off the bat of Gavin Lux, who still is probably trying to figure out what happened. Um, what was your take on the final out of Game 3, Grant? Okay, I suppose it is story time, but yes. Okay, so Gavin Lux hits the ball, and you can tell he got into it. He put a charge into it, and so I stood up. I'm at home. I am, uh, I'm wearing my comfy slippers, and uh, I, I stand up. And again, I people don't believe me, but I'm not necessarily a fan anymore. I am a fan of, A, I had what I was going to write, like, all outlined out. So I was definitely a fan of the Giants not wasting all that work. But also, I was just, like, into the game. It was exciting as all heck. And so I stood up, and then I, I crept closer to the TV one step, and then I could see Duggar, you know, stop, settle under it, and I just took... Three quick steps toward the TV, and thump, my feet went out from under me. I landed on my elbow. I broke my elbow because of Gavin Lux hitting the ball. If he just hit a little dribbler, man, I am typing fine. If he if he strikes out, I am just a no, none the wiser. But he had to hit that ball, and my elbow fractured in the process. So, like... I mean, obviously that had to be very painful, and I, I hope you're yeah. in less discomfort now. But you yeah. still filed a story. I mean, oh, yeah. how, how the heck did you do that? Uh, look, I was able to to write a story that night because I, I didn't know it was fractured, so I was able to ice it. I, I was able to use both hands because I didn't have a cast on. Uh, it didn't feel great, but I was able to do it. Um, so it was not outstanding and i think the the part that i haven't shared on twitter uh that is uh one of the sadder and funnier parts is that the reason i slipped is because i was wearing slippers which haha that's very literal but it's also the slippers the bottoms of them the tread the traction was all worn off because i don't think i took those things off of my feet for an entire pandemic they were fine <laughs> at the beginning of a pandemic and then i just walked around the house for a year or you know 14 15 months whatever and then i didn't realize it but they were like glass and so my wife saw like my wife was right there she was watching with me and she didn't think i was acting like an idiot she didn't go like gosh calm down oh great now you've done it it was just sort of like a whoop and you know she laughed because it was like haha you must have slipped in dog pee which would have also been funnier um but no i just they just went out right from under me yeah i think all of us probably need to invest in a new pair of slippers we've probably all worn the tread off off yes off our our pad house shoes um so in the morning i guess it was still sore i would imagine and then you went to what uh, get checked out i woke up and you can just tell it's like okay i can't bend my arm uh yeah and so I walked my daughter to school, and uh, I live really, really close to a hospital. And so I just walked straight there from dropping my daughter off. Uh, x-rays, all the good stuff. And yeah, it's a, it's a tiny fracture, and it's not... It was never in that much pain. Like, it was never just like a shattered elbow. Uh, it was just uh, not fun that night. Knew it was bad in the morning. And since, like, everyone asked me, like, oh, what kind of pain meds did you get? Wink, wink. And it's like, nah, I just, I forget to take my Advil. Um, right. That's how, 
inoffensive it is. So, so I think that you just need to write the rest of your stories about Brandon Belt, since obviously, uh, you know, he's, he's got a fractured <laughs> hand, you've got a fractured elbow, or Max Muncy, but, but yeah, or Max Muncy, but uh, yeah, that's true. That you've got the elbow thing going on. Um, I, I just, you know, it's it's funny. I, I I know that your reaction wasn't one of an excited fan, but excited fans reacting to something big happening on TV. Have, there are actually quite a few in, instances of people hurting themselves. I mean, it's it's more yes. common than you'd think. And, and I know this because, you know, when I wrote uh, the Band of Misfits book and was doing a lot of book appearances in 2011, there were multiple people who came up to me, including one guy who um, showed me the scar from where he'd had surgery because he tore his ACL in his knee jumping off the couch. And, uh, and, you know, he got, he put like a, a giant's tattoo over the scar. Um, I mean, yeah, this hap- these are things that actually happen to real people. Um, maybe some of them, even athletic people, uh, not necessarily unathletic people. So um, I would say I feel your pain, but my elbows actually feel pretty good right now. So I would just say I, I, uh, I, I have a lot of respect for your ability to soldier on and type with one hand uh, the rest of the way. Dear letters to Sports Illustrated, I never thought it would happen to me, however... <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it was, uh, look, it's funny. All you can do is laugh. All you can do is laugh. Um, I'm glad it wasn't my right elbow because that would be a logistical nightmare. Um, You know, it's not exactly easy. I will say that Apple has built-in dictation features, and that makes my life a lot easier. Uh, I'm not going to be able to use it in the press box without everyone wanting to throw me out the window. But, uh, you know, it has made it easier, except, except, and if you are listening, an Apple executive the difference between pictures and pictures. Like you have to be able, <laughs> yes. there has to be a way. I have tried like saying it with a French accent. I have tried saying pictures and it's always pictures. And huh. uh, that's going to that's gonna be the end of me because uh, I'll tell you, I use the word pictures quite a, quite a bit in, in my game. On all of our Zoom calls all year, we've used a, a transcription app that you know does AI. And some of the, some of what they come up with is just hilarious. It's like Mad Libs, especially if it's Erwin Higueros with a player who speaks Spanish trying to figure out what they're saying because it's obviously only trying to figure out what you're saying in English. It just ends up being just a, an enormous word salad and sometimes very, very funny one. Um, but I will, I will tell you that now it's my moment to be a little vulnerable because I also had an embarrassing uh, incident after game yes. three, and I want to share that because I feel that you yes. you've shared your moment, so I'll share mine. <laughs> so you know, it's it's really hard to try to get um, people one on one after these games, and and you know that that what we do, we're not necessarily looking for the canned quote, uh, you know, so we can you know ram a story in before deadline. We 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 have a little time to consider and to write to craft a little bit after these games, and I like to try to get you know, my own material as, as best I can. So after Brandon Crawford walked out of the interview room, he had to go across the field to get back to the Giants uh, dugout and go up the tunnel to the clubhouse. So I intercepted him out there and I, I really wanted to ask him, you know, he, we, we know his backstory. We know there's the photo of him in the San Francisco Chronicle as a little five-year-old. Um, you know, we know that he grew up going to games at Candlestick Park. And and I just thought with the windy conditions and he made the play of the game uh, to, to save it, uh, you know, just it was like the first ever playoff game the Giants played at Dodger Stadium and the place turned into Candlestick Park. And I just thought that was such a cool thing to explore. And I wanted to ask him what his Candlestick memories were. And, 
and and he gave me just a, a great quote about how you know as a kid you only remember the good stuff. I remember you know just how much fun it was to be at a baseball game. I know the adults talked about trash flying around in, in the wind and how cold it was, but that's 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 not what my memories are of the place. And um, so I, I I get him, and I know I've got like ninety seconds to try to ask him a question and get this answer that I'm hoping for. And I get my question out, and he just looks down. And he says, um, you've got something on your pants. <laughs> and I had been eating nachos, uh, dear listener, uh, during the game. They had they have lovely free nachos. And uh, apparently some nacho cheese escaped, uh, escaped one of my chips and landed on my black slacks. And I had oh. not noticed it. And there was a big gob of orange nacho cheese right on my pants. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, I, and so I, I said to him later, I said, thank you for that lifelong memory uh, a game that none of us will, will ever forget. You make the big play. I've got this evocative notion for what I want to write. I've got like 90 seconds to get a quote from you. And you point out I've got nacho cheese on my pants. So, yeah, that was that was my shining, shining moment. That is good. That is good. I And, you know, he has such a good dry sense of humor. Um, you know, he just that's it. That's a player you'd want to have that uh, experience with. Uh, I will say if I had to choose between the broken elbow <laughs> and the nacho cheese on my slacks. I think I would go with the nacho cheese on my slacks because I would also be getting nachos. I think, uh, I mean, the Dodger Stadium nachos, I've had them. They're not bad. You know, it's once you got that nuclear cheese on anything, it's pretty good. It's probably some form of melted polymer. I mean, it's probably not really food, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it does taste good. I don't know what they do to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no more nachos for me. I'm swearing off the nachos for the rest of the, of the season. And, and maybe I'll also, like, I don't know, Put down more napkins the rest of the way. You, ne- you never be too yeah. careful. Yeah. Are you a pickled jalapenos guy? Oh yeah. The the more the better. Yeah. Yep. I love yeah. the pickled jalapenos. I, I think you just need to have some in your fridge at all times. Yeah. No, I agree. I actually I have pickled green beans. They're called jalapenos, and they're pickled green beans, and they have like jalapenos in them, and they're super spicy. And uh, they seek them out if you are a, uh, a pickled hot person like uh, I am. Uh, just uh, seek them out. I am staring right now at a uh, pumpernickel rye bagel with some cream cheese and some smoked salmon on it and some pickled Mm. red onions. And I'm just staring at it. And the second that we are done with this podcast, I will inhale it. All right. Well, let me just uh, try and stretch this on, see how how much patience you actually have now. All right. Forget it. All right. Well, uh, (laughs) predictions. (laughs) Predictions. uh, I think predictions are silly. I don't want to make them. I feel jinxy. Uh, so do you think it'll be close? It's got to be close, right? Do you think it will be decided early? And by early, I mean sixth inning or before, or do you think it will be decided seventh inning on? Oh boy. I, I think that that's probably the only thing I want to predict is that it's going to be decided late because it's just, that's just the way everything has gone. That's the way everything, the whole season has pointed to, you know, this changing on one pitch or one play really late in the game. There's been so little that separated these two teams, even though I think we all know that the Dodgers uh, have the, you know, the, the talent edge with the established everyday stars. The Giants have the value in the sum of their parts, and they've at no point has either team really outclassed the other. And and the Dodgers have, have had more success, uh, you know, in, in games where they've been able to, you know, um, kind of walk away and, and make it a little bit easier at the end. But their overall run differential in this series is is certainly favoring the Dodgers. But in the regular season, um, you know, it is only two runs that separated the two teams over 19 games. So I, I'm just going to predict it'll it'll be 
it'll be close at the end. And I think if the if the Giants win, they're going to have to hit a homer with somebody on base, and and that's probably going to be um, that's probably going to be a, an ingredient that they're going to need if they want to win. This is the one uh, prediction that I will go with, and I will uh, actually disagree. I get these vibes like uh, like that twenty twelve NLCS game seven. Uh, or, you know, uh, going back to some other games where I don't think this one's going to go down to the wire. I think for whatever reason, I don't know. I just have this feeling like it's going to be big runs early for one team, almost like game 162 with the Giants against the Padres. And there, there might be a couple of moments where you're thinking, oh, if, if there's a couple bloops and a blast, uh, Team X will get back into it. Uh, but I don't know. I have a feeling that it's not going to be that dramatic, which means, oh gosh, it's probably going to be dramatic. Know, <laughs> well, that would that would be courteous, uh, the courteous thing to do to give you more time to write if the outcome is kind of you know resolved early i mean if you have a broken elbow that's probably what you need time t oh backspace capital t h e (laughs) space capital g i a n t s yeah no i'm getting good at that i'm getting good at that all right pictures 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 and pictures (laughs) oh god the pictures all right this has been episode 170 of the bags and brisbee podcast we'll be back on monday are we going to be talking about the end of the giant season or are we going to be talking about like what happened in the nlcs that is bananas it just keeps going like that so we'll be back on monday uh we'll see what we're talking about see you then